0: Have you ever felt like the world is piling on? Or noticed that you're losing sleep or happiness or productivity because someone else has done something wrong to you? If you have, then today's Playing Full Out podcast is for you. We're talking about the mistakes people make when life gets hard, specific steps to transform your pain to power, and a favorite book of mine that's on my desk as well as a personal experience which upended me recently and how I'm getting back on my feet. Welcome to Playing Full Out, where you'll discover tips to break through the personal and professional barriers in a hectic world that are preventing you from leading your optimal vision of life at work and home. This is the podcast for passionate life travelers and leaders who want to live a deliberate, confident, and fulfilling life and change the world while they do. I'm your host, Rita Highland, and in each episode, we'll expose you to something new in the areas of passion, performance, and psychology that you can immediately apply to grow your life love, and leadership. Hi, this is Rita Highland, and welcome to today's Playing Full Out podcast. I am really glad you're here because it's been some time, and a lot's been percolating and happening at Rita Highland Coaching, some of which I'll share with you today. And as always, our conversation is around expanding your self-awareness and raising the level of your thoughts because those two things are the best predictor of your future level of happiness and success. Today specifically we're going to talk about some a real practical type of conversation. What what happens when it seems like things just can't go right, or when it feels like the world is piling on, that you can't maybe catch a break in your mind. And then what do you do when you feel attacked, perhaps metaphorically or even literally, by people or events or maybe even an institution? And how do you not simply survive these experiences, but learn how to convert them and thrive? And then we're going to discuss, oh yes, my favorite delicious little book on my desk right now, and throw in some of what's been going on in my world to help explore some of these topics today. If you talked to me in the beginning of the year, January, I was smitten with this book I had been given, and it. I got it for Christmas, and it's called The Choice by Dr. Edith Egger. I received it, and I read it within just three or four days, which is unusual for me because I—I it takes me some time sometimes to get through books. But this one I couldn't put down. And I love stories of individuals, and this is a memoir by Dr. Egger, and specifically about individuals who really transcend some type of personal pain or hurt and and are able to use it and catapult it and inspire me to do some of the same. And so it was obvious that I was going to love this book. And if you actually were in my sphere in January, I had either been talking about it nonstop, telling people to purchase it, or I actually put some of them in the mail and had Amazon shipping them out. That's how excited I was about the book. And I, the, the thing is, is that this author, Edith, she's a 90-year-old Holocaust survivor of the Auschwitz concentration camps. And She's often referred to, as I understand, as the Anne Frank who didn't die, because both of them were about the same age when they were deported to the camps. And they both really believed in the basic goodness of human beings and their ability to transcend the meanness of people at times. Edith however, survived. And then she became a psychologist to help individuals, as she refers to it, free themselves from the concentration camp of their own mind. And in this book, she describes her life before and during and after her her experience in the concentration camps. And the part that intrigued me the most is is what she uncovered on her ongoing road to healing herself, and then how she used that pain and, and suffering and converted it and, and healed herself. And so she could then be able to help others. And she was able to do this in such a way that she's gone through some, obviously, some personal pain and is, in fact, living at this point in her life, a very charmed life that she is, as, as by all accounts, as I can read today. And she, Edith does make it clear that she never wants people to think, my God, she made it through the concentration camps. How on earth can I complain or why can't I handle my challenging and controlling boss or my difficult teenager or the fact that I lost my job? This is not what she wants you to think. She doesn't believe in a hierarchy of pain. She maintains that all pain is real pain and that there's a way to move through it and heal it so that it doesn't take over you, so that you're not a victim to external circumstances and that your life is not limited by things over which you had no control and that you're not forever governed by events or people or governments or other institutions. So whether you're in a bad marriage or your boss is controlling, or you're in a job you don't like, or you've made a mistake that you can't let go of, or you have a maniacal family member, or someone betrayed you, or your kid's suffering and you don't know what to do about it. You can not only embrace joy regardless of these circumstances, but by the power in you, you can also, as I said, convert them, and in spite of them, love your life even more. So you can go from my life is so hard to I'm living a charm life. Now, charm living to me is, is simply a word I, I likely picked up along the way from a teacher or two, or I've come up with it on my own to mean that we can embrace our life and our enjoy today, even regardless of what has happened to us. And that, that, it, that, that, and, and in spite of it. So, and maybe more so, even in light of it. So, that's charmed living to be able to, regardless of what's happened in your day to day, to be able to stand up and say, I still am living a charmed life. So, Dr. Eager is obviously an extreme and profound example that things just happen in life. She was probably, I think, 16 when it happened and an event that over which she had no control. She maintains that we can escape pain. We can't actually escape pain, but that we can escape long term suffering. So, my words are short term version of this is that pain happens, suffering is a choice. Bad things can and do happen in life to all of us. And we, but we, we have the option, if you will, to, to if we're going to suffer regarding them. So, early in the book, she makes this distinction, which I really appreciated, and that it's regarding, um, the difference between victimization and victimhood. And she says there's a choice between victimization and victimhood. We're all likely to be victimized in some way in the course of our lives. We've all had these experiences. At some point, we will suffer some kind of maybe affliction or abuse or a tragedy. And they're caused, those things are, that are caused by circumstances or people or, as I said, institutions that are outside of us or that we have no control over. And this really is called life. This is victimization. And the key here and the distinction is that it comes from outside of us. It can be the bully at school. It can be the raging husband. It can be – or spouse. It can be the abusive – member of the family. It can be the lover who cheats. It can be an accident that befalls us. It can be an attack that's happened to us. These things just happen. In contrast, victimhood happens where it comes from the inside. And no one can make you a victim but you. We become victims not because of what happens to us, but when we choose to hold on to that victimization. This was something I grasped very early. When I grasped it many years ago, it was was life-changing that I have a choice of whether or not I'm going to be a victim to experiences, if I'm going to give my power away. And sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it, that we're being a victim. And then some, there's other times when we, we know that things have a hold on us, but we don't know how to get out of it. So I'm going to talk about both of those topics today, how to become m- more aware that we are playing the victim role. And then secondly, how we take certain actions and shifting of thought so that we can no longer be held hostage, and that we instead make changes and and empower ourselves to pull out of these circumstances. Will Smith recently had a really neat video, and if you Google it, you'll find it where he's making the distinction between responsibility versus fault. And he makes the case that too often we become obsessed with whose fault something is, and that we say it's their fault, and they need to say sorry, or they need to fix it, or they need to make it right, and that they need to know and pay for what they did in order for us to be okay, or to be happy, or to be at peace again. And when we do this, we become the victim, because we're waiting for something outside of us to happen, again, over which we have no control, so it's sort of like having hope be a strategy, which it never is. Hope's never a strategy. And we don't use what we have to make the changes. And so in that, in that, in those moments, we give our power away. And Will Smith specifically says that it's it might not be your fault, but it is your responsibility to own your own happiness and to own your own peace and your own heart and your own life. And again, that it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility in terms of your own life to rise up through those again, we all, and I think this is what's important, is we all have these experiences. They fall all over the spectrum in, level, in, in terms of level of intensity, but they nonetheless do. These are the stories of our life. All of them support us or can be used as an opportunity to learn something. So one of the ways, a very pragmatic way that I've used and helped others to convert bad experiences, and that over which they are feeling that they they know or having a control over them is to ask this question: Is what is, or what do you need to do to find peace if nothing else is to change in the situation? What do you what What do you need in order to find peace for the in order for the situ, if the situation was not to change? Because that is our job and our responsibility at our most organic and true state. We are peaceful. And so when we get misaligned from that, our job is to bring ourselves and return ourselves back to that state. And so that we are able to become the people that we are called to be and that we are put here to be, to live the optimal visions of our lives as well. So again, remembering this idea that pain happens, but suffering is a choice. I was talking to a client the other day who was having challenges at work. He'd been told his kid was suffering, and his teenager was locking himself in his room and he didn't know what to do about it. He had a project at work that he thought would come in for fruition, and it wasn't looking good. And he was the only one of his siblings who seemed willing to help his aging mother. And he looked at me and he said, I I just feel like life is piling on. This happens to all of us. Things in life happen that can seem like they can be monstrous and that It's one after another, and we have this thought that we should be overcoming them. Tony Robbins one time said something that I thought was profound, which was that the problem we have is that we think we shouldn't have problems. He went on to say that he believes that our hope is that we have better problems, but sometimes we don't even have better problems. And what do we do when it feels like we keep getting handed the proverbial (laughs) shizzle sandwich? And I could relate to this this man that I was speaking with, and I asked him a little bit more, and I, I asked him, well, what are your thoughts really about what's going on? Because it is our thoughts that are either building our life or not. If we know that there's going to be a constant, that there are times when we experience painful experiences, are we aware that our distinctions of thinking are either going to contribute to to helping us build towards where we want to go, or they're either going to contaminate or destroy. And I really was in tune with this man. I got it. I get what it's like. I've had those moments too, and we all have. So it seemed like one after another, and people are like, wow, how can you move through that? How How does that happen just to one person? And how are you moving through it with such seeming grace and ease? And I know that one of the biggest paradigms of of thinking that supports me and and being able to navigate challenges like that is to understand that everything is happening to support my evolvement. And sometimes I might not understand how in that moment, but that I look for what is the backdoor gift, what is the opportunity Even in the difficulty, where's my opportunity to learn something? And how, in even a strange way, is this working out perfectly? There's something when you're looking for that to be so that you're amazed at how you can still be living a charmed life in in light of it. On a more personal experience that I had that May 2018 set off with a little bit more intensity as well, and this one was a little bit more difficult and continues to be a, a, a journey, is that I was headed to my son's hockey game on a Saturday afternoon at 4.30. I was in a parking lot. And as I was walking in uh, I was in a secondary parking lot because the other one was full and two men attacked me. One grabbed me from behind, and another man as he just the first one spun me around. I saw the second man with his mask and headgear on. And I at that point couldn't tell you the details of what they were saying or doing, but I was because I just began this very primal instinctive desire for self-preservation, and I began screaming. And fortunately, after a bit, I was heard and another Parent gentleman came running, and the the two disappeared within the hour after I dealt with police and 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 the reporting of the activity. I had another significant event where I was. I knew there were difficult. There were some problems with some health exams that had been going on. Had been hearing about that all day on Friday. It's now Saturday, and at five thirty, when I looked down after my phone had blown up with with texts I, and phone messages. I could see one in particular that caught my eye, and it was from my doctor's office. And I knew that wasn't good. I, I read the transcript and could see that they had asked, were asking me to come in for a special meeting at 11.30 on Monday. And I thought any doctor's office that is calling at 5.30 to re- request a doctor's appointment on Monday, that it, it couldn't be good news. And so... I was then this was as we were about to go out to my for my birthday celebration. My kids were surprising me at a special dinner that evening with their presents and cards. And so it was a really intense hour or two. and And I in hindsight, I don't think or at that time, I don't think I recognized how intense it was. But one of those 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 things i'll 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 beat to the to the end for you just so that you know that I am okay from a health perspective is that it was a mistake by the doctor's office that they had called that meeting. Or that doctor's appointment at eleven thirty on Monday, and that. But I did live for thirty six hours with some really what seems like some life changing and dire experiences and scary experiences. So I obviously did some deep reflection, as I do, of what's the meaning or the purpose or what's the backdoor gift to support me. And I've had a whole bunch of of thoughts and insight that have made this a or converted it perhaps to a beneficial experience. Maybe not positive, but at least I want to make sure that it's meaningful. And I can say that it hasn't been the easiest. I'm not going to say that I. you can put whipped cream on garbage. You have to process your experiences. You have to feel your feelings. I didn't want to stay a victim to four men who had victimized me. And I didn't want to stay angry at an institution that had made a mistake. Because doing that would affect how I would show up and who I would be both with my children, my interactions with those I lead and work with on a daily basis with my family members and with my community. And so I had to make the choice that I would I would choose not to be a victim. And so some of the things that I've learned along the way from that experience, I mean, immediately I would say one is that your body is pretty amazing at being able to to protect you. I've learned that when I'm much stronger than I thought I was, I'm much more... Uh, perhaps you could say brave, though fear ex- totally, completely exists. I, When I opened my mouth, my mouth showed up for me. I know I've had dreams. I don't know if you have all my life, that when I open my mouth, nothing will come out. The good news is a lot came out. That's one thing that the body is amazing to put you on high alert and to have you perform in those types of situations. I, One of the tools I use is, I, and I, it never occurred to me, but I know that it can come up that in these situations, we can ask, well, why me? Why me? Why does it only pile on me? Why do these things not happen? And I think that I recognize that with my clients a lot is that we have this these 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 times when we tell ourselves a story that things are only happening to us. And the reality is as you all know in your own lives, you have experiences just like this, whether they're currently happening or they've happened in the past. Our job, our 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 opportunity is to navigate them in such a way that we can either thrive with their existence and in that way it might mean making something something positive come from them even more i think one of the worst things that we can do and one of the mistakes we can make and I, and and i could be guilty of it at times is that we will say that i will we'll try to diminish or we'll discount our pain or the fact that i felt lonely or lost or that i didn't know what to do and if you've ever done that while you're experiencing something or if you've ever said this isn't the biggest deal because you know Jenny's dealing with this and her her ailing parents and and this person's just passed for another person or this person's dealing with something much more profound than what I'm experiencing if you do that you're also still playing the role of a victim. It's important that we feel our feelings so that they can move through us so that we can honor them and that we, we respect ourselves. We honor our feelings. We honor. And the way that we do that is by speaking on them. It is by writing on them. It is, you know, there's a University of Texas research that showed people, uh, victims of PTSD when they were asked to write on their experience for just 15 minutes a day that they were able to heal at a 60% higher rate than those who didn't. It's not that they sat and stewed on it, but they made sure that they felt it, experienced it, and, and were doing some release of it. And there's all types of ways to release uh, our pain. What I've learned is that time doesn't heal. It's what we do with the time. So I know I used to in my, in, in my earlier days, if there was a painful experience, I recall one in particular when I was betrayed by somebody is just to replay that over and over again in my head. Thinking that at some time I was going to numb out to it, that it would just be, oh, happenstance, and that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have such an intense feeling in my body. That I've learned doesn't, that we, it is what we do with the time. It's how we take responsibility for our next action. It's how we get specific about how this is evolving or working for us or what the gift is. And we might not know that right in the beginning, but the best practical way is to say, this is perfect because, or this struggle is worth it because, or this struggle has meaning because. Whatever way you finish that sentence begins to provide a distinction of thinking that will build your life. Remember that thoughts are an illusion, both, both whatever ones, the good and the bad if we have a thought if i had a thought about this this event this rendezvous with these people i could have that people really are awful in the world or there's just the world is just going to pits or i could have a different thought that would be that is something like i see now what it would feel like to lose my life. I got the opportunity because of what happened to live like I was dying for 36 hours. I get that now. This was interesting. This is supporting me. This, Whatever one of those, or both of them are made up. They're both a thought that I'm creating. The one I choose is the one that supports where I want to head to become from a more peaceful and a profound state where I'm able to show up and be the best me. I'm either going to come and bring back a bunch of victimhood and fear into my family, into my home, or I'm going to take responsibility for taking the next action and showing up. One of the things that's true is also having compassion for those that that victimize us. And I do have compassion for the individuals actually that t- attacked me. Not having it for them only, again, leaves me in, as a victim, but I when I'm able to convert that wow, their lives must be really dreadful. When I'm able and in that I would if anything like to be a part of sending them their own healing or being a part of the the, the conversations and the political system, the support and make those changes in people's worlds, or at least in my own world doing whatever I can do to be kind and caring and giving because hurt people I know hurt people so somewhere along the line they've been hurt. So when I, I come I become empowered from that thinking. And I think that's probably a lot of there's there's a lot more but there's but, but a lot of what Dr. Eager was able to do most of our healing is to be able to convert it and to use the pain that we had. It's really important to realize that you're not your circumstances, that happiness is never based on what's happening. If we allow that that's victimhood again. You cannot let the external world determine your happiness. Oh, it's the worst feeling. It's like my day has to go this way in order for me to be happy. It's actually the opposite. When I come from a state platform of happiness, my day can go either way. I maintain that. But also when we come from that place, we also project and create more of what it is that we desire or want. Our thought is always before behavior. And we'll talk more about this in the upcoming podcast. But it's important to understand that we can't be wait. We can't wait for things to change in order for us to feel a certain way. That is our an inside job. So choose to love your life today. The only way to get the life you love is to choose to live your life today. So how do you know you're being a victim? Let's review. First thing we discussed: you're focused on other people and making them wrong. We don't need to fight our opponents. Any longer. We don't need to prove that they are in error. Your attention is better served on creating what it is you don't want. Years ago, I worked in an organization that I felt was underpaying me, and it might have been two, three, four years. I don't know how many years it was that I complained that I was underpaid. I would prove it. I would talk about all of the places that they had been, been wrong by hiring other people at higher rates. And at the same time, every year, come the time of my review, even if I was a high flyer, I got the same percentage, the highest percentage that you could get, which was never satisfactory to me. And so I stayed, sadly, in this victimhood until one day I woke up and I realized they can pay me whatever they want. Kudos to them for getting away with three or four years of paying me in this manner, and that this is completely my opportunity. I was to no longer be a victim to it, that I can create another job opportunity or career for me to be happy in and for me to feel as though I was being paid what I was worth. That was a choice and a time when I finally woke up and realized I was being a victim. And instead of spending so much time Fighting them and being angry at them and proving how that, that they were at fault. I could use it creating what it, I really wanted. The second way you know that you are being a victim is that you are asking what, why me rather than what now? What is your next empowered action? That is the opportunity before you. The third way to know that you're being a victim is that you're simply unhappy. You're telling yourself it should be another way. Use that feeling of unhappiness as a messenger, that it's time for a new direction or a change or even a new way of thinking. In my experience, if something has happened, it was supposed to happen. And this can be pretty grisly and uncomfortable because usually it's painful. This helps me to stop suffering, fighting reality and to move forward. The other thing to note is that when I look at my life and I look at other people and I ask them questions for the past 20 years, what are those moments that were the biggest eye-openers or shifts for you? All of them originated from a place of pain. So pain can be an amazing catalyst. When we try to take other people out of their pain or avoid our own or stay stuck in our own, we are not looking at what the opportunity is in light of that pain. So instead of suffering, fighting reality, the the opportunity to, to convert or transform when once we do know that we're in victimhood, the one, number one way is to seek to say, what is the meaning in this struggle? Or how can I make meaning out of this struggle? Is there a backdoor gift that's actually helping me and conspiring to support me? The second thing to do, as we talked about, is... To ask yourself, what do I need to be at peace if the situation is never going to change? That is called peaceful acceptance with what is. Declare, I'm taking my power back. Anything after I am is a powerful conductor. And standing in it and saying, I'm taking my power back. I am going to use my voice. Is Sends ourselves the message that it is a new and different day. And it will Elicit new and different behavior. One of my favorite sentences comes from the late Debbie Ford, and she says, "You would never go into yesterday's garbage to create tonight's dinner." In the same way, we're not called to go into our past, especially our painful past, to create this present moment or our future. So, be mindful if you're starting fresh or if you're tr- if you're sloughing along and bringing a bunch of victimization with you to create today your own personal wounds and past, and then do what you need to do and take responsibility for healing those. I'm going to end with a quote from Edith Egger. We cannot have a life free of hurt, but we can choose to be free, to escape the past, no matter what befalls us, and to embrace the possible. I invite you to make the choice to be free. I look forward to us getting together in our next podcast here on Playing Full Out. In the meantime, have a powerful and wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to Playing Full Out. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes for more tips, tools, and inspiration to leading the optimal vision of your life, love, and leadership. And remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the fullest version of you at play.